0: Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host, who's still laughing in the face of danger, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? Uh,
1: Well, I guess I can sum that up in two words. Hakuna Matatu. (laughs)
0: Oh. Yeah, I know, that's terrible. (laughs) Okay, so we're talking about 1998's The Lion King 2 today. Right?
1: Yes, and this is my fault, listeners. I, I fought for this. So if you're mad at someone that that we made this the assignment, it is my fault.
0: And I'm sorry. Are you really sorry? You don't need to be sorry.
1: I think I'm is- not really sorry. This is an elective. No, no one's getting graded here. <laughs> they don't have to do the assignment.
0: That's right. That's right. Yes. Well, some key facts to set the stage. Um, Susan King of the L.A. Times did this great story in October of 1998 uh, regarding this movie. And interestingly enough, in October of 1998 is when my husband and I got married. But it's just a sidebar. Um, so <laughs> uh, the original Lion King released in 1994, and it's an immediate hit for Disney Studios. Um, it smashes box office records. It wins numerous Golden Globes and Oscars. There's a get thr- again in addition to this thriving box office. There's a video of the Lion King. It sells 55 million units worldwide. That's crazy. Plus, there's the Tony Award winning musical and a whole lot of merch. It is 1998 is Lion King, Lion King, Lion King. I mean, for the past four years, we've seen nothing but lions. But deservedly
1: so, I would say. The The Lion King movie deserves every bit of praise that it got. I love it.
0: Well, in, in this piece from the L.A. Times, Susan King really does dig into the sequel. Um, and I'm going to share some of the thoughts there. With her. She does a much better job than than I could. Um, so Disney's following a really well-worn path at this point. Universal has had The Land Before Time. That's a great direct uh, to video series with multiple like features. Like 30 of them oh, at t- this point. T- right? it's, and every time yeah. one of them comes out, a four year old buys that. Ice Age is another uh, it's starting to pick up steam there. So Warner, MGM, all the studios are making direct to DV sequels because they see the value in it. I mean, it's not as much money and people already branded are going to buy. They're going to buy it for their kids, right? Uh, Sure. So Disney has already had a great deal of success with this kind of uh, work with the Return of Jafar, Aladdin and the King of Thieves. There's been Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas, and uh, Pocahontas Two: Journey to a New World. Right now, to mm-hmm. my to my thinking again, you can make the argument that for kids growing up in the 1990s and 2000s, getting the DVD sequel is just more merch for your collection. Right, you're at Target with mom, and or you're at Blockbuster, and you you know you see the thing, and everybody's going to grab it for you. Right. As a hoarder, I feel that compulsion.
1: <laughs> I wanted to own every Disney movie, even the ones I hated. Sure. I'm a completionist. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So none of the original animators for The Lion King are a part of this project. Um, Disney's television animation studio in Sydney, Australia does all the work here. Although the storyboards and pre-productions were all done in Burbank. And the music is created by six different composers.
1: I noticed the animation was not the same. Right. I mean but I'm not saying that in a slam way. Right. Uh it's 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 of lesser quality, but it's still quite good animation wise. I it what it's just not. It's just not at the level that the Lion King was at,
0: right? I mean, you know? I, and I think they're still using the same Pride Rock. They're still using some right. of this. But for some of the character work, I think, um, uh, with a notable exception, we'll get to it in a little while. Um, I think. I think it's you know clear that there's some some differences. So yes. the, oh, agreed. So director Daryl Rooney compared this story to Romeo and Juliet, and claimed that the Shakespeare place <laughs> served as a blueprint for this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, <I'm>, uh huh. <laughs> I wish I could see Larry's face right now because he is not buying this. <laughs> no, no, it is not. Ro- yes,
1: does it have a couple mm-hmm. in it? Yes, who have families at war? It does. It does. Is this Romeo and Juliet? It is. I not. don't think it is. It isn't. Where was the death faking? Where is? Where is?
0: No. No. no, no. So Sorry. It, it, takes, it takes four years to complete this project. Same as a normal animated feature. Now, most of the Disney Direct DVD take about two years. So the question glares, if the Lion King is such an important commodity, why didn't Disney make the sequel a theatrical release? To which Disney's Buena Vista uh, home entertainment president, Michael Johnson, explained at the time... We look at the feature animation business as a way to set up the original story. Their energies are absorbed completely in new productions. So we have a division through the television animation group to do the sequels. It's Not to say this isn't good enough to go theatrical. But of course, he's kind of saying that
1: in a way, But it right? is not good enough to go theatrical. So the right. reason... The, right, So the reason is they're not aiming high enough. Right. That That is really the problem. That... The first Lion King was something the entire family enjoyed, adults and children. Mm-hmm. This is not aimed for that. This is aimed for children to watch while their parents take a shower. Right. That's what this is. <laughs> These
0: are what we call the shower
1: movies. Right, <laughs> I, It's uh, safe. Right. It's yeah. safe. It feels to a kid and and I don't I don't mean to I don't mean to disparage children because I love children, but children fall in love with characters and then forgive the lack of quality as time continues right. on. And adults don't do that as much.
0: This is why, as adults, when you watch a movie that you loved when you were, say, eight or nine, and you like look, you look at you know you look at it again when you're in your forties, and you're like, yeah, this doesn't really hold up. This wasn't as good as I remember it being, right? But, yeah. but the idea, I mean but that's exactly it. Yeah, but the idea here I think was still to change the notion that direct-to-video sequels could be equal in storytelling as a theatrical release. Uh and end kind of a stigma that a sequel is somehow subpar. But the question okay. the question is are they really pulling off the mission in this picture and I'm not I'm not sure the answers yes.
1: And this is exactly why I want us to do sequels because it is entirely possible to do a sequel to a movie and surpass or build on the original. Sure. And and as exhibit A for this I'm going to point to Toy Story 2. Yeah. Which which in Toy Story 1 is a masterpiece and Toy Story 2 somehow surpasses it, mm-hmm. and then Toy Story 3 goes even farther. It just gets better and better and better. Right. So why doesn't The Lion King get better and better and better? And I think I think if we can crack that nut today, uh, it'll it'll help us to understand how one writes a sequel.
0: Okay.
1: Um. Yeah. I, that's why I'm excited. That was my pitch to Andy pre-production about why I wanted to do The Lion King 2.
0: And friends, Uh, I am on board, so here we go.
1: (laughs) Yes. Okay, so shall we jump into it? Jump right in. So, plot. Lion King 2 begins very similarly, one might say in a derivative fashion, to the original Lion King. Right. When we're talking about the Tana here, uh, what we get is a bunch of animals are are coming to Pride Rock for the presentation of the new child cub right. of of the Lion King, who whose name and gender we don't know at this particular point. Mm-hmm. And beat by beat, uh you know, we see the animals coming, uh they're moving on the beat to the to the music. The the song that's playing is He Lives in You, mm-hmm. uh, which we've heard in the original movie and we get a lot of shots which are very similar to the shots from the first Lion King movie it's not mufasa it's simba but simba looks to to zazu uh simba and and nala give the cub to rafiki mm-hmm. uh Timon and Pumbaa are present, and that wasn't true in the original, but but we are very clearly setting up a parallel to, to the original movie. And I, I ask, as I
0: always do with Tana, why are we starting the movie here? Well, I have a thought about that. Um, I think it's a reversal. I think, you know, the circle of life is continuing to evolve, um only this time it's a girl's turn to be anointed as the progeny for the throne. And, and you mentioned Mufasa is kind of in the heavens watching over everything. And the imagery seems to be taken from almost like religious iconography. Oh yes, I mean, depending on, I mean, and really I was kind of looking at a lot of different, like God in the clouds from a lot of different religious traditions. And that's certainly there. Um, Rafiki presents the cub to the community, but he also presents it to Mufasa this time. He lifts right. he lifts it to the heavens and the I mean, it's very interesting. And then, of course, Timon and Pumba says it's going to be like old times. It's a girl, and then, bam, there's the reversal I I'm,
1: has no one had the conversation with Timon and Pumba <laughs> that generally speaking, there are there's more than one outcome. They are shocked mm-hmm. that species gives birth to female of the species and i have to say like not seeing that coming as a potential outcome like that that tells me that they are they are
0: easily shocked
1: well Uh, i mean was i supposed to fall out of my chair when when we get that reveal i don't i just don't know
0: well i mean i don't i think it's because it's identical but it's different and again you have a pride that's based on, you know, the succession of kings, right? But well, what happens if you get a queen? What does that look like?
1: I guess, right? Um, sure. Uh, I have a question. Sure. And I, I think I know the answer to it. Uh, instead of starting this, this movie off with the circle of life, we start instead with he lives in you which is the song that played midway through the original Lion King it's when um it's when Simba looks harder into the water and and sees Mufasa the Mufasa inside him mm-hmm. it's about it's about him connecting to his father um in a moment of mourning and instead we're getting it here at a moment of birth Enjoy and joy mm-hmm. and right um it's been repurposed from its original intent. Do you think it works here? And why do you think they chose to reprise this song?
0: I mean, I, I don't love the choice. I think the Circle of Life would have been better. I don't know if they were going to have to pay more for it or what. <laughs> you will note that
1: there are no Elton John songs reprised in this. Right. I, I'm, I'm sure that's a consideration. But they do make up new songs. Otherwise, they could make up something that's not a circle of life. And
0: well, I mean, it, it's miss. You know, in the vernacular of my children, this music slaps. Right. But it's not Epic. This song opening song is not Epic in the way of the songs, the, you know, the circle of life, for example, when you get that first boom, that deep bass when the lion King pops up, I mean that, but oh, that I remember seeing that in the theater and it shook my, I mean, it shook my soul. It was so good. And um, there's a sense of majesty missing. Right. Yes. And I think that's what we're missing here. But then I look at Simba and I'm like, Are we supposed to be missing a sense of majesty?
1: And and I don't want I don't want to get too much into the weeds here because I really do think the decision making was we want to use a song from the original. Elton John wrote everything else, so let's use this one. Right. But Circle of Life speaks to a universal experience that is happening not just in Pride Rock but everywhere. Right. And he lives in you speaks to a specific connection between a father and son. Right. 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 Uh, and and it is just it, I love I love he he lives in you. I think it's a great song. It's just not an opener to a movie. It feels it's an intimate moment. Yeah. Not a universal moment. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. Okay. I'm with you. Oh,
1: all right. So that's our manish tana, and I think I think you're exactly right, Andy. The manish tana. Tana ends when when Timon and Pumbaa uh, collapse into their fainting couches, <laughs> having realized that sometimes girls are born. Um, Shocker. Go figure. Shocker. Go figure. So th- then we get into the plot, and I'm I'm going to go through plot relatively quickly uh, to get us to the inciting incident, which I think is a little trickier to to pinpoint here. Um, so the opening of this movie, guys. If you've watched The Little Mermaid, this is the Little Mermaid, what? but with lions. No, it is. <laughs> Simba is really protective of his daughter, who wants to, like Simba did, go out and and like go to the one place that she's not supposed to go. So she tells Seb- so Simba tells Sebastian, I mean on uh, Timone and Pumbaa, Oh my follow goodness. my daughter and report back to me on where she goes. Hmm.
0: Uh, you yeah. know, uh, not wrong. Kiara's
1: Kiara's problem with her father is her father doesn't listen to her and doesn't treat her seriously, um, and and uh, no, he's he's become King Triton in this movie, which which I want to talk about a little bit later. She immediately does the thing like, you know, remember how Simba had to be tricked by Scar to go to the elephant's graveyard? Uh-huh. Uh Kiara's like, huh. Dad just told me not to go there, so that's where I'm going. Uh, goes directly to to the, to the what's called the Outlands, which I think we're supposed to infer used to belong to the hyenas, but mm-hmm. the hyenas have left. Andy, uh, I don't want to go too far, because there's a place where we might say, potentially, this is the
0: inciting incident. Uh, is it? So, I have... I have some questions. When when I look at an inciting incident, I think about the dramatic question of the whole piece, okay? Right. Often. And <clears throat> with the inc- it we one of the problems with this movie um is that um there are multiple dramatic questions happening concurrently. Um and So usually you'll have one dramatic question for the first act. It might change for the second act. It might change for the third act. Right. But these are all happening simultaneously. And it's kind of hard to tease out what I think an inciting incident might be. But I think probably it's where Kiara and Kovu meet. Right. That's probably the best I can come up with because because it, it, it handles the. Will Kiara be able to explore on her own question? The who's really in charge of the Pride Lands question? Is it Team Mufasa, Team Scar? Will Kovu tell a lie or the truth? Will they love each other? Will they not? I mean, all these things are happening simultaneously. So, yeah. Yeah, it's
1: it's really interesting because the original Lion King, we had trouble pinpointing the inciting incident Mm -hmm. and all... there as well because it's relatively late in the in the movie and it's kind of a weak inciting incident to say hey these two cubs met as children that's the inciting incident that's going to propel us when we're going to flash forward in time mm-hmm. a little bit later on and i guess i guess maybe like the inciting incident when we flash forward is they meet up again yeah right yeah uh so it it's sort of if both of those moments are inciting incidents. It sort of feels like neither moment is an inciting incident. And that, for me, is one of the flaws of this movie, um, is that it doesn't have a clear inciting incident. Or if it does, it, but, but it's also going to have a protagonist problem with it also. Because right now, in this prequel I am led to believe that one of three people in this in this exposition, that this is either the continuation of Simba's story. Right. Or it is the beginning of Kiara's story. Right. And then later on, they're going to tease out to us that actually this might be Kovu's story. Right. But what we aren't really seeing is one of the characters making a choice. So I'm going to throw out that this is not the inciting incident. And I'm going to say the movie that this is borrowing from is The Little Mermaid. And the inciting incident of this is uh, when we flash forward to the future and it is time for uh, Kiara's first grown-up hunt as a lioness, Mm -hmm. Simba makes the choice to not trust her. And send Timon and Pumbaa to follow her again. In other words, in a ceremony that is supposed to be Kiara's uh coming of age, mm-hmm. it is it is Lion Bat Mitzvah time, right? <laughs> right. Um you, you go out, you hunt, you come back a woman. He is unwilling to relic- to to let her free and be in the in the child. Uh f- from being a child and accepting her as an adult and right. is still giving her babysitters, that is a choice that he makes that affects his relationship with her mm-hmm. and forces and causes her to once again like head towards the outlands. but that makes this Simba story, and I'm not sure
0: it's simbas no story. i I don't think so i mean i I think you can look at this another way, maybe, and that is that. Um, if it's, if they're really thinking of this, like a Romeo and Juliet story, we could have, and this is a possibility. I'm just throwing it out. Um, we could have a two person point of view here, kind of romantic movie or rom-com style, right? Um, the problem is that Kovu's arc is far more compelling than Kiara's arc. You know, Because Kovu has the most interesting
1: inner conflict. He
0: does have the most interesting inner conflict. I mean, he has a potential breakaway from the cult mind control of his mother, right? Which is very, which is much more, well, will I be safe if I leave the path? You know, because ultimately, you know, ultimately, whether you like it or not, Simba, she's going to grow up, right? Whether you like it or not. That's, but, but boy, are you going to turn on your whole family in order to live a truth? Well, there's good, that's a better story, right?
1: Right. And we're supposed to, and if we're paralleling this with Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. uh, we are supposed to believe that both of these household, in Romeo and Juliet, you're supposed to believe that the Capulets and the Montagues have a disagreement they can't even remember the start of, mm-hmm. and therefore are both equally at fault and equally blameless Uh, in the conflict between these two houses. And therefore, when their children rebel against each of their parents, their children are both
0: right. But that's not the case here
1: at all. But that is not the case here. And that's why we need to shift the plot a little bit Mm -hmm. to talk about Zira. Right. Because what's been going on at this same time? So Simba and Zira uh, have a confrontation when their cubs meet and immediately bond. And we, what we learn is that Zira is the leader of a bunch of lionesses who were loyal supporters to King Scar. And uh, we didn't see them in the original Lion King movie. Uh, I, I don't know what their deal is, uh, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But we, for now, let's just accept that some of the lions were very happy living in a land of famine and pestilence and want to go back to
0: that mm. that was great for them well it's, um, it's and they want power so power is more important than i don't know sure okay um and i i mean i mean
1: i I will say to you Andy this movie does make some sense to me in terms of like how sometimes people react when their political party is out of power mm-hmm. but but i i will i will say like this was pretty dire like i there was n- literally no more food and and scar had brought in a hostile foreign power to occupy the territory he was not the you know, he was not you know working in there were, it i have trouble imagining lionesses who are like i really like that the hyenas are here and now in charge uh great job right, scar right the, in the first movie, we know that to be false, but we, we have to put that aside. I want to come
0: back to her in a bit. They almost seem so like they're di- they almost seem like they're disillusioned. I mean, just yeah. But go on. Sorry,
1: Simba has exiled them mm-hmm. because when Scar died, they did not accept him as the rightful king, and so they have left. Uh, and Kovu is a cub, right, who has been raised by Zira to believe scar was the rightful king uh that simba's ascension was false mm-hmm. uh it was it was in some way not legitimate uh and that the the line should go to kovu and not to simba and that is that is a truth that he had that is a truth that maybe she believes that we know from the audience to not be true the facts right don't support that uh, but Kovu doesn't know it, and
0: Kovu has been raised to think Simba is a monster. So one thing I want to ask, I am going to ask you a question, actually. Um, do you, and, and maybe it's a leading question because I'm going to tell you where I stand on this. Sure. Do you think that the way this is set up with all the exposition on the front end, that we really even need it? I mean, no. we know the story of Scar. We know all of that. Um, why are we retelling it? Do you have thoughts so about So
1: here's... That? I do have thoughts. I think a much better opening for this would be instead of doing this Circle of Life thing again, mm-hmm. uh, we start with a retelling of the Lion King from the narrative of Good King Scar. That we actually begin with Zira and Kovu in a cave in exile Mm-hmm. Things are hard and Kovu says to Zira, "Why can't we be with the other lions on the Pride Lands?" And Zira says, "Now you're old enough to hear the story of why we left." And she retells the story of the original lion king, but with Scar at the hero, King Scar the peacemaker who brought hyenas and lions to get whatever she needs to Deliver tell narrative, him. right, right. So that we know why he believes what he he believes and we and we we maybe question, does she believe it? Or is, or has is she calculated the story she's telling? Um, uh, I, I feel like that would be a stronger opening, and it would make us be like, oh, I get who these characters are now.
0: And right? Then the, yeah, and then there's outrage on behalf of it, and, and the stakes are higher. Because right. we've actually seen... Again, it goes back to showing and not telling, right? If we see... Uh, Kovu being indoctrinated from a very little cub, right? And not just mm-hmm. showing up on the scene. Um, we know more about him, especially if this is really kind of his story.
1: If it is. Yeah. Which yeah. which, I'm not sure. I, I want it to be his story. Yeah. I'm just not sure that it is. Yeah. Okay. okay. Sorry. So <laughs> I'm going to move us forward in plot here. Here's what happens. Zira comes up with a plan she notices that Kovu and Kiara are very clearly into each other. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, why don't we use this against him? Why don't we get Kovu accepted onto the Pride Lands through the daughter? And the second Simba's back is turned, Kova does the old, uh, you know, long live the king, throw him off a cliff sort of thing mm-hmm. and take over the Pride Lands. That is her plan. But the plan goes awry because Kovu really does love Kiara. And one conversation with Simba is enough to let him realize everything he was told about Scar is a lie. Uh, Simba is reluctant to trust Kovu, but when he sees that Kiara trusts Kovu, he makes an effort to get to to know the cub. Uh, meanwhile uh, Zira finds out that actually Kovu has had a chance to kill Simba and has not acted upon it mm-hmm. so she takes matters into her own hands luring both Kovu and Simba into a trap and pretending it was Kovu's plan all along yeah
0: she's manipulative Sim-
1: sure Simba's Simba's injured mm-hmm. uh, in the fight Kovu's older brother N- Nuka mm-hmm. uh, is is. Not quite killed, but dies attempting to kill Simba. I think Simba's Simba's paws are ultimately clean on Nuka's death, the way that it the way that it uh shakes out. Right. Um and you know, int- things have gotten more intense. Zira says co-insists Kovu should try to kill Simba, and Kovu, like Simba in the first movie, runs away. Mm-hmm. But you know who we haven't talked about in a while? Our other main protagonist, which is Kiara, (laughs) who's caught in between this conflict between her father and Kovu Mm -hmm. that we also know is based on a misunderstanding. Kovu was about to come clean about what the plan was when Zira does what she does. Uh, And they're actually both stand-up lions. Um, So Kiara... Runs to find Kovu. They make up. It's kind of cute. I'm. I'm not. I'm not heartless. I like teen love. <laughs> I like teenage lion love. I'm all about it. Um, where would you say this movie reaches its climax?
0: Well, there's a whole sequence where the outsiders attack the Pride Lands, and I mean, visually, Zira positions herself on a higher rock. As the, you know, as the chosen one or the leader. Um, Zira tries, I mean, a couple of different ways to kill Simba, but she tries that one last time. Uh, Kiara intervenes, but then she offers to save Zira. And Zira would rather fall to her death, ultimately.
1: Right, and by this point, all of the other lionesses who were in Zira's pack have decided it's time to give peace a chance. Right. Zira is the one who can't let go of the hate, uh, and she she falls, which puts the final conflict moment between Kiara and Zira, who, as far as I know, Andy, mean nothing to each other.
0: Right, because you should have a climax between your main protagonist and your main your antagonist. Main. Zira right? is
1: the main antagonist.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Kiara is a female protagonist, and I understand why you want to have them go woman to woman in a battle. Mm-hmm. But it's not personal, between I mean, the two of them, I mean, it, Simba is the one Zira hates, not really Kiara. Kovu, it would be more personal. Yeah, it's
0: his actual Mom. mother, right? Right. I mean, it, I another another no. another way of telling this story that would put Kiara as the clear protagonist would be if somehow Zira lured Kiara into their group, yeah, and made her feel like she was one of the. Of their, you know, outsiders, right? And that she that is was really an outsider. times better, Andy. She was a she was an outsider, and then Kiara has to confront Zira and be like, "No, I'll offer you this, but this isn't the truth," right? Then Kiara is the protagonist in this story,
1: Andy. That is brilliant because we've seen the world of Pride Rock, mm-hmm. we've been here before, so let's let's have. After Simba does the thing with Kiara where she he betrays her trust, let's instead of sending Kovu to the pride lands, Kiara's like, I'm not free here. I the the outlanders know how to be free. That's where I'm going to go. Right. And Zira's response to Simba is going to be She's mine oh, this now. Is, she's mine now. Yeah. You have no claim to her. She's here. Which is almost and,
0: worse and, than killing him. It is a profoundly
1: better revenge. Yeah. That movie, that movie is rocks, Andy. That is so much better. Well done. Oh, thank but, you. But that's not the movie that we're in. That's not the movie we're in,
0: no. No, and, and of course, then we have some falling action and, and uh, Kiara becomes queen. And But again, I think it would be really interesting if Kiara becomes queen after that kind of uh, conflict is resolved, where she has to look evil in the face Maybe she's lured in by it. She looks it in the face and she says, This isn't for me. And not only is it for me, she fights for it and then becomes the kind of savior that Mufasa is, her grandfather is, is, right? It is so much, it's such a better conflict. And instead,
1: and what it also does is it keeps Kovu away from Simba. Mm hmm. So Kovu, when, when, when Kiara leaves and goes to the Outlands, she can hear from Kovu and from Zira how terrible Simba is Mm -hmm. and actually question it. But if Kovu goes to the Pride Lands and Simba's like kind of cool, the kind of lion you'd want to go grab a beer with, (laughs) eat some bugs with uh, at an oasis, um, he's immediately disarmed by by Simba's geniality. But Kiara being away from her father will be like, is there a dark side to him that I never saw? Yeah. I cannot get over how much better your version is, Andy. Thank you it's so much. <laughs> so much better. I could just talk about that for the rest of the episode. I could. Oh, yeah. Well, let's not. But <laughs> let's... Oh, okay. But but I'm buzzing on it. I'm buzzing on it. I love it.
0: Uh well, it's. I mean, I again. I think this movie and just me thinking about it, like it's the. You're excited because you see Kiara and you think, oh, we're going to get a female protagonist. But that doesn't happen because the minute like with the minute Kovu enters the scene, he sucks all the energy out of it because his arc's better. It's more beyond that,
1: like in The Little Mermaid, this is not a movie about. Uh, This is not really a movie about Kiara's choices. It's a a movie about Simba's flaw Mm -hmm. and Simba's choices, which is that Simba does not accept who his daughter is. He's the one with the problem that he's got to solve. Kiara doesn't have a problem. Kiara's right. She's ready to be treated seriously as an adult lioness. She's not wrong to place her affections in Kovu. Kovu really does love her.
0: Yeah, so her arc is kind of flat because she goes from... She has a, nothing to learn. She nothing to learn. She goes from an individual alone to an individual in relationship and, and sees the value of the pride, maybe, in a way that she didn't before. But is that really that... I don't know. I'm
1: going to stop praising you in a moment because I know you don't love it. But I want to say, <laughs> no, I, 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 the the genius of your pitch... Is it tightly binds us to Kiara's point of view because we go into the Outlands with a as a, with her we are a stranger in a strange land mm-hmm. as she learns things about the Outlanders we're learning them at the same time mm-hmm. we don't it it the exposition it, you know, you will
0: unfold naturally because in a, in a natural she way. has mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's oh I mean okay. and I, and, sure and it, it, but. it's also parallels when. Scar in the first movie takes Simba under and tells Simba things, and Simba starts to sort of believe that Uncle Scar is this. And, you know, he has this belief. I mean, I think take it one step further. What are Scar's people really like? Scar's people are deceptive. They are willing to believe a lie, they're willing to do whatever. And so Kiara gets sucked into that because she hates her dad in the moment. She's a teenage you- girl who hates her dad. Because
1: because she wants to be free mm-hmm. and to do what she wants, but then she gets then she gets to meet these other lions who are free to do whatever they want, but have no moral restraints right. on what it is that they do. Um this is a first for us, Andy. We have completely rewritten this movie <laughs> and we haven't even talked about character yet. What? But I see our version of it, uh-huh. and I want Lion
0: King two point one, our version. <laughs> we did it. We cracked it. It's better. I think it's better. Simba, let's talk about characters. Uh, Simba, Matthew Broderick, they brought him back for this, which is great. In fact, a lot of the voice talent comes back uh, in this movie. You know, Simba's big flaw is that he believes that danger could be lurking behind every rock. He's fearful. um, And he projects that fear onto his daughter. He's worried all the time.
1: I, I think they play with the idea that Simba is still traumatized by the death of Mufasa. Oh yeah, and that that fear has caused. And listen, when you are a new parent, you sometimes wake <laughs> up in the middle of the night not because uh, your child's crying, but because your child's not crying, crying. and absolutely. you just and absolutely. And I think there, I think there's something real in that like, that that they could play with a little bit more, but ultimately. Simba's a bad dad in this movie, um, and he's not—he's not a terrible dad, but—but I—I didn't think in the Lion King one, one that when we saw Simba and who would eventually become Ki- Kiara in that scene, that I was like, oh, Simba's gonna mess this up. It felt right. at the end of Lion King one that he'd really learned something, he'd gained some wisdom, and he was gonna be a great dad and a great king. He's not a great
0: dad, and he's a lousy king. Yeah, and and, uh, and and the thing is, there's a consistency issue, right? Because he knows that his father—I mean, he can look up in the clouds and see his father there, like so. And and like most major religions, right? We don't look and see our God like looking at us from the cloud. He literally looks at his father and knows that his father is um, even determining some of this or willing it to be. Uh, and yet, He
1: has learned in the first movie that death is not the end. Right. That is something he's incorporated and it should make him less fearful. It's
0: natural and not something to spend your life afraid of. So it does it's not consistent that he's now afraid. Um his, right. his dream, you know, he has a really interesting dream. Uh is it PTSD? Is it prophecy? We don't know. But he dreams that Scar is Kovu and that he's his father. And he's he's I, you know, I, I think it's an interesting dream. I just don't I
1: don't know. They fixed the dream, and as as Mufasa's falling, instead of it being Simba falling, it was it was Kiara falling. It yeah, would have been a little bit better for yeah. me. Yeah, he's a because fr- that's all, there's all sorts of ways of fearing losing your daughter. Mm-hmm. and one of them is that she won't love you anymore. right. Uh, what I actually what I actually would have done is I would have put Simba in the scar position. Um, and Kovu uh, down Ooh, below him.
0: Interesting, yeah.
1: And that that Kovu is the one scrabbling up for life, and is Simba the one who threw him to the to the stampede by exiling a child cub? Yeah. And let's talk about that. That Simba, like one of his first acts as king, apparently was he exiled half of his kingdom, including some children. And I guess that's how the Pride Lands got restored. There were a lot less mouths to feed, much more food to go
0: around. Um, I mean, it just doesn't, again, it's not consistent with the character of Simba that we know. And I think when you're writing a sequel, it's really important to build upon the exposition that you already have and not create a brand new Simba character uh, and be like, well, I think Simba should be like, no, now that is not the time for that. Simba's in stone. Now we have to work with what we've got and stay consistent with the story. It would be better
1: if Zira left of her own choice rather than Simba, Simba exile her because... I mean, it's it's less of a flaw that way, but it's more consistent with who Simba is, where Simba says, Now is the time for us to unite. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kingdom is in in trouble. We need to food. And Zira's like, I can't get past the fact that you killed Scar. Mm. I'm leaving. Interesting. And, and if he begged her to stay and she left, right? Right. You know, create a relation. What was their relationship beforehand? And we I'm not saying that. We have it
0: was- no idea. And, it's, and it, it really doesn't help the story, it doesn't help it. So let's talk about Kiara for a second. Um, Nevi Campbell, um, she really is her father's daughter. It does lead to some immediate conflict. Uh, she does have this line of, will somebody please just listen to me? Um, what's interesting mm-hmm. about that is she's not really saying anything. I always think that's an interesting statement from young people. Maybe I'm just an old person, but um, I think sometimes a lot of times adults are listening but it's quite often that young people don't have the language to really tell what's going on internally. And so they have to we have to sort of guess at subtext, you know, and I think in, in the first movie, um, a, a song would be really helpful here. Like, I just can't wait to be king because now we, yeah, know, we don't get a key. No, 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 Do we? Well, we sort of do, but it's not like this is what I want.
1: Right, it's not her pri- we don't get her Disney princess. So. No,
0: we get the we are one story which is instructive and didactic and not uh this is what I want. Right. So, it would that would be much more I think it would be help- more helpful. So, I uh,
1: I the big the big problem is here. The movie wants to have it both ways. They want to set up that Simba's a bad dad for being overprotective, mm-hmm. but we also see that Kiara is is moments away from death pretty much every step she takes in that first half of the movie uh, uh, would would in fact have died uh, in in a profoundly stupid way mm-hmm. had had uh, Kovu
0: not not a- arrived at the right moment. well to Mon and Pumbaa she would have I mean if Pumbaa hadn't Pumbaa sat on her obviously but like yeah she could have drowned she could have there's lots of lots of uh, she's not for her to she's not Nala's fire. No, she think about how
1: much character Nala had in the first Lion King as a cub. Yeah, she was playful, but she was smart. She was Simba's equal. Mm -hmm. Uh, She had opinions Mm -hmm. and was not afraid to express them. Um, uh, Why? I guess I guess Nala's not a great mom either because Nala should just like be like, "Listen, Simba, we got to (laughs) talk."
0: And and you know we wonder why that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Nala's like she'll be fine, and then leave Simba to himself to fret and worry and scheme, right? So,
1: I mean, I me maybe their marriage is going through a rough patch. I don't know. I don't think so. There is a moment where Nala looks at at Simba is like, "Let's go make another cub." I, 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 that's how I read that scene. I did. Kiara, <laughs> Kiara went off on a play date. Let's go make another cub, Simba. And Simba's like, "Oh, okay, let's do that." <laughs> And but, that's how we get the Lion Guard down the road, but yes. Right. That's right,
0: that's um, Let's talk about Kobu. Jason Marsden plays Kobu. Um, uh, so there's one thing that's really telling when he comes on the scene, and Kiara says to him, you know, or they had this interchange, and he doesn't know how to play.
1: Right. He's never learned how to play before. He's never played a game. He doesn't understand the concept of tag, which is... Fairly basic game. You don't you don't need to be from a from a
0: privileged place to
1: know how to play tag. Right,
0: right. But he doesn't get to play. I mean, that's the subtext, right? And I think that's a really smart subtext if we're talking about who the um, the outsiders are. They don't let their children play. How sad is that?
1: So here here's a question I've got about Kovu, and I think I know the answer to it, but I I would I would like to be wrong. They make a big point of saying Kovu is not Scar's son. Mm-hmm. He looks like Scar, mm-hmm. as does his older brother Nuka, mm-hmm. right? Um, and to me, I have a question of, isn't the story stronger if he is Scar's son? Doesn't it explain the exile even more Yes, because he is de- like they, they say something which I don't believe, which is that Scar appointed Kovu to be the, the heir after he's gone. I'm going to tell you something about Scar. Scar doesn't care what happens to anyone after he dies. He'll just be dead. He is never going to declare a successor because he doesn't want to be challenged. He doesn't want there to be a succession. Scar will be happy if after he dies, everybody else dies because he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't believe... But put that aside. I would understand Scar saying, after me, my son rules. I would get that. But I would also understand Kovu's story better if it's like, I never got to know my father, Simba, and it's because my mother says you killed him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that... I, Yeah, it gives a lot more opportunity for conflict. And And again, when we're writing anything... We want opportunities for conflict. We don't want to solve the problems prematurely. Uh, If we're going to have, you know, let it fester a while.
1: And it could create a good conflict between Zira and Kovu, which is Zira wants to defeat Simba because she wants the power of it. But Kovu wants it because because he's been... He wants revenge. It's yeah. personal for him. It's political for her. That would, that would be a great contrast between the two of them. Mm-hmm. If none of the lions hate Simba the way that Kovu hates Simba. If Kovu hates him the most, he's got the most of a journey to go on.
0: Zira? So what do we think about Zira? I, I'm going to say great. By the way, Suzanne Plachette plays Zira, so... She is Disney Disney legend. I think she's
1: great in this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I, think so too. Solid performance. Um,
1: uh, Love her voice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Suzanne Plachette, but, um, (laughs) but, but strong characterization, arguably for, I mean, I haven't seen all of the direct to DVD Disney videos, but of the ones I've seen, she is the strongest sequel villain. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's, she's, not in Scar's shadow. She's different from him. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, her grievance is 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 more palpable. It's more personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's consumed with hatred um, to the point where, well, as we'll see, she'd rather die than let get, let go of it. Mm-hmm. Scar wasn't that committed. No. Scar was willing to be like, okay, Simba, you're king now, and let me know what I can do as your second in command. Exactly. Like, like Scar was... He was what well, he was willing to settle. Zira is not; she is no. uncompromising. She's fierce. She's a true believer, mm-hmm. and that makes her,
0: in many ways, more dangerous. Yeah, than Scar, for sure, absolutely. Again, I don't. Um, I, I, it's clear that Zira is. Well, again, I'm I'm bumping my head on something, and maybe this this isn't really a character thing; it's more of a plot thing. Zira Kovu is Zira's mother. No, sorry, Zira is Kovu's mother. Right. Yes, I think maybe so. Who, Not clear. So who is Kovu's father?
1: Well, so I know that Nuka is definitely Zira's uh, Zira's child, right? Because Nuka calls her mother right. all the time, and Zira says that Kovu is, is Nuka's younger brother, right? Right. That right. Nuka. So the implication there would be that she that she raised Kov, them both she she gave birth to them both but i don't think it i don't think she did right so okay so here's here's the other thing that i need to say about the whole lineage and not scar uh-huh the reason that kovu is not scar's son is because they did they wanted to make it clear that kiara was not marrying her second cousin which uh, is is why gotcha. is why we're going yeah. through hoops here trying to figure out like the paternity the maternity here. And I think the movie's trying to have it both ways so the answer must be this. Zira is not Scar's mate. Neither Nuka nor Kovu are descended from Scar. Nuka is Definitely Zira's child. Mm-hmm. Zira may
0: have instead adopted Kovu mm-hmm. and not Nuka. So here's the question I have about Nuka. Like he um is he part hyena? Cause he laughs like one. I don't think that can happen. I don't I'm know. not a zoologist. I mean I'm not either, but I'm like, it's weird that he's kind of characterized like one of the hyenas to me. I I think I think here's oh boy um
1: so so guys uh if you have not seen this movie you should at least take us take a look at like a couple of bits of nuka's animation Mm -hmm. he looks he looks like uh the person that that scar would would like hang out with and be like well at least i'm not this guy right i might be the scrawny lion but take a look at nuka uh he's jittery we see he's got like he's like scraping his butt uh, trying to get rid of like the fleas or whatever bugs are on him, uh, he's doing the scoot, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Uh, he's jittery. Uh, he's guys. He's voiced by Andy Dick. That should tell you a lot about the type of you know. You know yeah. they didn't go for Clancy Brown. They went for Andy Dick. Mm-hmm. It's a different sort of character visually. Um. So so I. I don't know if he's I, I never thought he was part hyena, but but that might be just the limits of my knowledge of zoological
0: Any, science. Anyway. <laughs> yeah.
1: But but he but the question that is fair to raise is why is yes. he as the older lion the one who's going to be for the outlanders? Zira's clear child. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why is why is it the plan not about him? And Nuka asks this question. And I guess the answer is, well, have you seen yourself? Yeah, like that's why we went to that's why we went to your younger brother. Because take a look at who you are, Nuka. None of us want that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of unfair. Uh, either your claim is there is a there is a line, and the line goes from Scar uh, to to Kovu, but Nuka's in that line. He's yeah. in
0: that line of succession. And your I mean, is it weird for our lions to marry their first cousins? I mean, well, I don't they know. They wouldn't
1: even be first cousins; they'd be second cousins. Second Scar cousins, was. is that weird? Yeah, don't know. I I don't know, but I think ah. I think we're we're avoid we're doing all of this to avoid uh avoid that, and it's really impacting in the story in a confusing way. Yeah, correct.
0: Timon and Pumbaa. Uh, Timon and Pumbaa. Uh, we have Nathan Lane and Ernie Sabella back again as the bumbling babysitters of Kiara. Um.
1: They're here because we love them, but they're not here because the story needs them. Right.
0: Zazu could do this job just as well.
1: Sure, except Zazu's original voice actor didn't come back, I believe. So
0: there's that, right.
1: Um. But, I mean, Timon and and Pumbaa were the breakout hits of Mm -hmm. The Lion King. Uh, If you're making something for children, how do you do it without Timon and Pumbaa? Um, And... Because they're such comic characters, do you even want to show that they've changed or grown at all? Or do you just want them to be the silly duo that they were in
0: the first movie? I think you want them to be the silly duo that they were in the first movie. But I think you want to give them something to do that's a plot, you know, that's more than just breaking up the tension. I think that's what They, they serve here, is they break tension. They break comedic tension,
1: but they don't... They're not... They're to the side of this story... And ultimately, extraneous to it. They're lightening the mood, but they actually served a really important story function in The Lion King sure. by giving Simba a different way of life. Um, I actually, you know, at the beginning of this movie, Timon says to Pumbaa, Well, guess we're raising another lion. And Pumbaa's like, No, the parents are gonna do that. Um, I would actually love to see Timon has decided he's Kiara's grandfather. Mm-hmm. And he has a say, he he and Pumbaa have a say, and that let's have Timon and Pumbaa argue with Simba mm-hmm. about the way
0: Simba's treating, treating
1: uh, sure. Yara.
0: Sure, sure. I mean, and really illustrate that. Con- I think they could serve to illustrate that conflict. I mean, they never really bring back Hakuna Matata. They could very easily and remind Simba of his old you know, belief.
1: As long as they don't sing too much of it, because again, I don't think the rights cleared. (laughs) That's right.
0: That's right. Um, So we see Mufasa and Scar in this movie, but we don't really, and we don't hear them, obviously. I think it's interesting to note that Mufasa looks down on high and shapes the fate of the pride. What's interesting to me is when Kovu is exiled Mufasa turns his back and I'm like would you really do that, dude? Like is that consistent no, with what not. you want? I mean it just doesn't that that bothered me quite a bit.
1: It it does not it is not consistent with who Mufasa is. I have to imagine like if we're watching this movie through Mufasa's eyes, Mufasa is ashamed of the decisions that Simba's making and yeah. I'm not happy about that yeah but mufasa's in a place where he can know the truth that's in kovu's heart um and and yeah i i mean it might be out of his jurisdiction Mm -hmm. like like i could see him not appearing to kovu at all it it might be a really cool moment to have kovu go out into into the pool and see scar Mm -hmm. and have a have have rafiki do a is scar in you and have kovu realize that he's nothing like Scar, right? right. That, yeah. Or or see or finally see Scar for who Scar really is.
0: Um, yeah, I, I mean, mean we could s- do something. Yeah, when there. S- when Scar's in the water, and it's interesting how there's death in the water in this movie, um, as the the water swallows up Zira. I mean, it's almost this sort of hell iconography. It's interesting to usually what we think of water is sort of a purifying thing instead of like a dangerous thing. So.
1: You know what else I wouldn't mind? I wouldn't mind seeing Scar come back as a Jacob Marley type. Mm. He's being tortured. He's He's been tortured in, you know, uh, Lion King Underworld right? Right. And, and realize it. And, and maybe, you know, like he's like, I will always suffer for the things that I've done. But I don't want you to suffer. Make different
0: choices. I, yeah, I mean, I'm, well, so there's this payoff that doesn't happen, and and one of the things that uh, Kovu asks is is Scar one of the great kings? And, and the it, answer is nope. And it, it's not right, <laughs> correct, and it just sort of hangs there. Um, but it doesn't really get paid off for me in a you're in right a way. That's when they good. ask that, once they ask
1: that question you have to answer it. It's right. a
0: great question to ask. Super great question. Why not why Ugh. not pay it off? Um Rafiki, uh, again Robert Guillaume plays Rafiki. Um again, he's sort of the consigliere prophet that carries out Mufasa's will, which I think is interesting. Um th- this movie is far more determinist the last there is movie. no free
1: will uh Rafiki lets us know about 15 minutes into the movie they're gonna fall in that that uh right that uh Kovu and and Kiara will fall in love and that's the plan and, uh, and, and and again
0: for for children who are about to see a lot of violence I think again it's like Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast it's nice to know that some it's all going to turn out okay um and in the beginning uh, at least the first lion king movie when we see rafiki say, he says things like it's time or you know it's far more subtextual than it is in this movie in oh, this yeah. in this movie it's very explicit
1: and Rafiki's connection to the spirits is much stronger in this second movie in that they're like mm-hmm. literally telling him what's going to happen. Right. Whereas Rafiki believes young Simba to be dead in the circle to have been disrupted in the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rafiki's got a journey in the first one. And in the second one, he's kind of outside that journey, just like watching. Mm-hmm. He, like, he's like steering it towards there. but But he never really loses control of the journey mm-hmm. the way that he... He thought he lost control. I remember his rapturous joy when he realizes that Simba's actually alive. <laughs> right. That for me is the moment in the first movie that forever is Rafiki. Yeah. And we don't get anything like that here.
0: He's just, he doesn't really have a. I mean, he d- has a great song in Upendi which is the stickiest song of the bunch. I mean, it's reminiscent for me. Oh, I love it, appendi. It's, it's reminiscent of like kiss the girl from the little mermaid. If you're going to keep going mm-hmm. with that. Right. Um, but, uh, it's, he's definitely missing his, um, other where he shows up and things change. We, we know that already know what he's bringing to the table. There's, no, there's answers, no mystery. There's no mystery in Rafiki. That's what's missing. his answers were riddles. Yeah, in the first movie. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And we had to we had to do the work to understand them. In this one, his answer is like, "Oh, they're gonna fall in love." Exactly. Um. Uh. And he he, it's just not. It's just not the same. He, his he's not as good a conduit.
0: I I think you're right. So we've talked about protagonist problems quite a bit here. We've talked oh, about yes. music. Uh, We'll check those items off the list. What about a pitch? Um, So I think we (laughs) already gave my pitch. (laughs) If we wrote the movie, maybe I've already done the pitch.
1: Um, I mean, it was a great... Our rewrite, Lion King uh 2.1, I think... I I, I want my opening where we hear the story of Scar Mm -hmm. through... uh, I want to write the first 15 minutes,
0: and you can write the rest of it. You can write
1: the... Uh, but but I think it's a better movie.
0: If you write the first uh, fifteen minutes and I have to write the rest of it, that's a lot more work for me. Well, you'll get you'll get
1: first credit. Oh, perfect.
0: Okay. Well, and you can get story by. Excellent.
1: I just, you know, I, that's fine. That's good for you. Um, that's great. Percentages. For me. The percentages will be much better. That's hilarious. All right. Uh, but I, but I do I yeah, do. go a ahead. Pitch. Yeah, hit your pitch. So my. All right. So here's my pitch for the Lion King. I have a great title for it. It's called The First Pride. Okay. And I want to hear, I want to learn about the first lion to arrive at Pride Rock. Mm. Uh, sort of, sort of like the um the Moses who's brought his people to the Promised Land. Interesting. And I want to see like Rafiki's ancestor teach them about the circle of life. They they've left, they've left something behind. They left behind lion. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. They they fled uh, lion Egypt.
0: Something along those lines. And maybe there's dark forces pursuing. Them. Maybe there was a city. A lim- maybe there was a city building that was chasing all the lions off the. You know who knows. Humans. But
1: they they come to Pride Rock mm-hmm. and they have to learn how to forge a connection with it and find their place there. And by the time whatever dark force is has come to Pride Rock, they are now strong enough. And wise enough to have to to create the borders to their kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, so that my my
0: pitch is Lion King Zero, the first pride. I love it, I love it. Um, Thank you. I think the last time we covered this whole franchise, I felt like I wanted a Scar origin story, and this movie made me wonder if Scar had ever been treated unfairly. As Mm -hmm. Kovu was with prejudice. And maybe that's why Scar becomes Scar. And then if this generation somehow gets it right, um, I think I still want that origin story. What if Mufasa treated him with prejudice? And what if he was exiled uh, unfairly? And who knows? So they actually pick up on this thread, a Scar origin story in The Lion
1: Guard. Because when you when you pitch something similar to this in the first one, I actually looked into it and I've seen what Scar's origin is. And someday, far into the future, <laughs> I want to take a look at far into the future. <laughs> I want to take a look at that Lion Guard episode Scar origin. Okay. Um, and, and, and put it under a microscope. I've spent zero but
0: time I, with The Lion Guard. So I think, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, I... I I think it's I think it's interesting, but but that being said, a full movie that gets us a little bit further with Scar. The other thing that I think uh, is interesting, and this is related to your pitch, and this movie ignores, is in the Lion King one, at any moment Scar was allowed to challenge Mufasa for rule of the lion of the pride. Mm-hmm. At one point, Mufasa says, "Is that a challenge?" And Scar goes, "No, no, I would never challenge you, Simba." If Kovu wants to rule Pride Rock, he, he could, could just make a formal challenge. He's not the weakling that Scar Scar, mm. Scar didn't do it because Scar knew he'd lose. Right. right? There's something... But a Scar origin story might make it a lot more clearer, particularly the moments in which there's a decision being made who's going to be King Mufasa or Scar.
0: And again, when you're talking about a sequel, remembering the rules from the first movie, and you can use those as a setup to pay off your lines in the second movie i mean you can if if a challenge is a challenge why not use it why not pay it off that way right if you can't t- you can't tear down the
1: foundation correct and and build on it you as you build on it you need to say this these are the ingredients i've gotten in the first one and now now let's build on those ingredients tell a story within the rules that are already accepted by my viewer love it
0: love it and, well, that was really fun. What are we doing? What movie are we doing next week, Larry? Well, it's not quite a sequel, Andy,
1: but in my heart it's the third of a trilogy. We are watching The Muppets Take Manhattan, Yay! which which I love 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 with all of my heart, and I can't you can't find it on Disney Plus, but you mm-hmm. can find it on Hulu. Um so so check it out there um you won't regret it you won't you might have regretted this you won't regret you won't regret <laughs> the muppets take manhattan i promise you listener
0: such a such a great film all right well if you like what you're hearing will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another disney or classic movie fan and please check out our once upon a disney facebook page you can tweet us at andy redwine or at larry runner6 Or drop us a line in our mailbag at Podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. Hakuna Matatu!